it's hard because in my mind, especially as someone who's like a woman of color, cyclist conjures up different images than it does for me. Um, and so, strictly speaking, I'm probably a cyclist. Yeah, you ride a bike. <laughs> there we go. Um, but would I use that as like one of the terms to describe myself if I was writing a autobiography probably not um, but there's no reason why that couldn't change mm -hmm. and I think it would be nice to imagine um, sort of a community where being a cyclist does in fact mean lots of different things or or actually even just seeing more people on the road who look like me would make cycling feel more um, sort of open um, more accessible and actually saying you can be a cyclist and have box braids in or you can be a cyclist and struggle on hills do you know what I mean that would just be really really cool but I think I try not to get too down about the fact that not many women of color cycle instead I think well I'm one who does and hopefully somebody driving their car to work will see me and think gosh I could try that as well yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Cycling has always been about more than its health, economic and environmental benefits. The rise of women cyclists in the 19th century coincided with the age of the new, educated and independent woman. The early moral outcry over women cycling outfits and claimed damage to their feminine physical features may seem ridiculous today, yet cycling continues to be linked to discourses about who can be visible, who can take space in public and how. Over the past decades, cycling has been represented as a self-indulgent leisure activity. The media loves portraying cycling as an unsafe annoyance to other road users, something that only middle-aged men in Lycra engage in and benefit from. And to be fair, the cycling culture has done little to change the perception and only very recently has this started to change. This project seeks to move beyond the discussion on barriers to cycling to understanding how those who are often not part of the cycling discourses experience and challenge dominant representations in cycling. Thanks to a grant through the Active Travel Academy, Justice Inn and Four Active Travel Initiative, I was able to travel to different parts of the country to ride and talk with nine women who all identify as women of colour and for whom cycling is a big part of their lives. In the previous episode, we heard how the women I interviewed got into cycling and the role cycling now plays in their lives. In the second part, Zoe, Vera, Susan, Eden, Mildred and Sidra reflect on how discourses around cycling interact with what it means to be a woman and a person of colour in our society, especially when cycling and being visible in public space. We recorded these conversations while riding our bikes in late spring 2021, when the UK was just starting to emerge out of lockdowns. You will hear some traffic noise in the background and the sound quality isn't always great. Most annoyingly, the technology failed during a couple of rides, so you will not hear everyone I spoke to. But if you are interested in the research and want to find out more, you can do so via the Active Travel Academy or you can always find me on Instagram.
I feel privileged to have been able to talk to the women who took part. They are challenging the status quo, whether that is as ride leaders, as social media influencers, cycling advocates, cycling industry insiders, or just as individuals who are encouraging their friends and family to ride more. I hope you enjoy listening to these stories as much as I enjoyed recording them. I really enjoy cycling, um, but I also really enjoy running. Yeah. And I've also um, become like a running instructor yeah. um, in the last five or six years. Yeah. And I think like as far as community goes, or communities go, mm-hmm. um, I feel like the running community is so welcoming. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't matter as much like how fast you are or like which trainers you're wearing. Yeah. Um, whereas with cycling, I feel like it's still very like dominated and dominated by a certain demographic of male and they have very expensive bicycles and very expensive kit and they kind of size you up and it's whether or not you're worth speaking to um, based on what kind of bicycle you have and that's not really that's not really that welcoming my um careful down here a bit blind takes me back to my first um day cycling with a club yeah where i found it really annoying and I really didn't enjoy it when I went on club rides. And they'd all be looking at my bike and it was this entry-level bike. Like, you know, probably the only one with an aluminium frame and everyone's got carbon. Yeah. I had no idea what a group set was. Yeah. I just, I was like, this thing has got pedals and it's got a chain. That's yeah. good enough. I didn't even like, I was still learning how to use which gear went up and which gear went down. Yeah. But they're all so fast, like, oh, you know, you should get this upgrade or like, you should do this. Or like, if you do this, you know, all these like tech tech things and talking about their carbon bikes and yeah. asking me questions. And I think it put me off. Yeah, right, like, yeah. yeah. first of all, it was like, I think cycling is quite an expensive sport. Yeah. And I wasn't in it to start spending my, my little pennies. You know what I mean? I wasn't in it to, I wasn't looking for something to waste money on. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. so I think certainly that's been like one of the big barriers, I think. Yeah, and it still is to this day for me. Like every money I spend on this, like I know I spend a lot of time cycling and it's money worthwhile. Yeah. But it's hard to know where to draw the line. Mm-hmm. I think it's easy to get drawn into getting the latest upgrades. Yeah. And and I certainly found that in that non-diverse space that I was in, where it was a lot of white middle-aged men. Obviously, you know, they're middle-aged, so they've worked a long time and they've got a lot of money. Yeah. And so, <laughs> um, so this is a hike, bike and hike section. We're just going to carry our bikes okay. um, over to the other side. Yeah, so I suppose the first one would be gender was always like, has always been forefront yeah. of like cycling. Even when I learned to cycle as a little child. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, you, yeah, there was always a distinct difference in way in the ways that boys and girls were treated and especially I guess maybe in the teenage years or because I learned how to cycle as a child yeah but I then stopped cycling yeah but there's always an attachment of gender and like you're a girl you shouldn't be having your legs across this bike or things like that so that's always been like attached to it um yeah and even as an adult like you know joining the club you have women's rides or 
Yeah, yeah, so it's a big part of like, of that. And then I think, yeah, and then more more recently, oh yeah, or since joining a club, the race, race has become part of it as well, where you do notice, you know, the, the differences in like representation or lack of representation. And then it becomes a thing. Yeah. <laughs> Even if you don't like, you didn't, it's not something I went into it thinking, oh yeah, but you sort of, yeah, the more, like, the more time I've been spent cycling, the more that becomes a, comes at the forefront of like, yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah like, because you notice it more and you start to question certain things. <laughs> but at the same time, I'm sort of tired of being, I'm tired of being the only one in certain spaces. Mm-hmm. So it's like, why am I going into another thing where I'm like, right. <laughs> I mean, I've still done it, but sometimes I'm like, do you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. you know, always sticking out like a sore thumb. Yeah. And, uh, and now I've just gone to another activity where that's, <laughs> it's more of the same. It's, to be fair, it's way better than engineering <laughs> in that sense. Uh-huh. But yeah, sometimes there are questions of like, you know, I'm just putting myself in another, uh, situation where I'm not I don't seem well I'm, I'm not as represented or mm. yeah um no because I, I find it really quite I suppose I've always found it quite frustrating and annoying that, say, the outdoor industry, um, cycling itself, and um, so many other things, is is just so, just so white. And but maybe that's just the way that they're representing it. I don't, I don't. I think part of it is it's the way that it's represented. So, yeah. Um, let me see. So for me. And the clubs that I cycle with, I am the only black woman. So yeah. um, Leicester Women's Velo, which is the cycling club that myself and some of the Breeze champions started up, yeah. that's that's one of the most um, diverse clubs in Leicester. Yeah. Um, so we do have other women of colour, women who are East Asian and South Asian in the in the group or so. Um, but um, and I know, let me see, and Leicester is, has tried to put m- more rides, like cycle training to try and get more women of colour. So targeting certain areas, so like um, certain areas of Leicester yeah. where there's a higher, um, higher number of people um, who are black and Asian yeah. Um, to try and teach cycling there as well. Yeah. But then some of it, I wonder whether it is, whether if you don't see it, you don't know that you can be it. But also, um, also I don't know, I've had, because speaking to other people and trying to work it out, I think also sometimes, why, why, why sometimes put yourself in a situation where you know that you're going to have to contend with microaggressions or, or blatant racism um, <laughs> and trying to explain things to, and it's a whole trying to explain things to people as well because I think when I first got into cycling um, I think my family saw me as a little bit eccentric because why am I doing something that nobody else who looks like me is doing and it's true a lot of times when you put yourselves in that yourself in that situation yeah. you are going to have to put up with put up with stuff as well yeah. um like I remember going to and I was thinking about this like going to I remember going to a talk once where this guy was a cyclist and 
I think he was a writer as well for a magazine. And every month we would have um, meetings and people would come and give presentations about their books and stuff like that. Even like Leicester Women's Velo, yeah. we, we took over it and uh, did, a, did a talk about it, etc. and stuff like that. And one of the things, it's the whole thing, like, I was really shocked and stunned when he actually said, you know, the treatment that we get as cyclists, it's like racism. And obviously I'm the only person of colour in the whole room right. and my mouth just drops. But then it's also knowing if you say anything, mm-hmm. people might just think that you're the, the angry black woman in the room. Yeah. Um, you're just kicking up a fuss and they're not... And obviously, and I've, to some people, they think that racism is just, it's just, well, it's hate and that's it. I've, I've had that where somebody says, well, it's hate, isn't it? They hate us as cyclists. They hate, hate black people. That's what it is. And it's just, um, don't really um, have so much of a view of it or, yeah, an idea of it or so. Yeah. Um, so sometimes I wonder whether it is, because it, it doesn't make sense why there aren't more people of colour but obviously um, in the outdoors but obviously there are the barriers as well cheers thanks yeah I mean when I started the Kiddical Mass project that I mentioned um, I realised you know there are women like me who used to cycle but then stopped um, when they had kids um, and definitely was able to get some of those mums back on bikes but um, I also realised at that point there were loads of women um, who didn't grow up in the kind of like family or culture that I grew up in who never had learned to cycle and um, I did the cycle instructor training around that time as well and um, at that time um, there were some um, regular courses that were held uh, at the community centre in Easton um, and they were free for local women um, to learn how to cycle Yeah. so um, I started to teach on those because it was like well it just seemed like a lot of these women even if they wanted to go out on bike rides with their kids they couldn't have done it because they didn't have the skills yeah. um, so so that was actually um, something that I did intermittently for about five years is teach women cycling. Yeah. And it was really incredible. I would probably say that's one of the best jobs that I've ever had. Yeah. Because, you know, being, I guess, on that journey with someone from not being able to, um, yeah, get on a bike and pedal to yeah. seeing them, like, you know, literally, like, letting go. And um, it's so amazing. Yeah. And so many women said things like oh after I learned how to ride a bike I realized I could learn how to swim or do other things like it gave them the confidence in other parts of their life too but um we also saw like some women come back pretty much every you know we have courses every six months and a lot of women would come and get those basic skills and then um then lose them whether it was they lost them over the winter time or other things and then they come back again because they didn't have anywhere to maintain them 
they didn't have a bicycle, they didn't have a place to store a bicycle. And I mean, some women were actually coming um, kind of secretly as well, like that their partners didn't know that they were coming. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, um, yeah, I think that there's still a bit of a gap to build that confidence. And I mean, we're on, still on the railway path, and so we did use this to. Um, as a space once once the women had those basic skills yeah. to uh, flex them, if you will. Yeah. But um, a couple of women in the groups I taught came out on their own to practice on the railway path. And then they were subject to harassment. Right. Which, um, again, completely put them off being on the bikes or to some extent even just, you know, walking and spending time in this kind of space. Which again is really sad and just like highlights that there's so much need really to make the public realm open and inviting um, for everyone and that people, you know, regardless um, of their backgrounds um, should feel safe and comfortable. Um, I think it was... um, I think it's because of gender and and, um, ethnicity sometimes. Um, And whether they were on a bicycle um, or otherwise, I think they just were that much more visible. I think being on a bike makes you more visible than if you're walking or... um, And it just puts you in a position, um, yeah, that... some people then feel more comfortable um, harassing you, unfortunately. And I mean, I've had sort of gender-based harassment on my bike. Um, And I guess because I'm fairly confident and also just a mouthy person, (laughs) I always have a comeback and it's not very nice. (laughs) And it's annoying, but... um, I think I could just let it kind of wash off me. Um, Whereas other people who, you know, just learned this new skill and still feeling, you know, quite new at it and maybe not very confident. It's just the last thing that you need is to have that kind of um, experience and then maybe associate it with being on the bicycle. Because it's also it's interesting because because one of the things because I was chatting to my friend one of my friends um, Mariam who wears a hijab and we were talking about cycling during lockdown and part of it is also for me like this countryside because yeah. this is all area that that is just on my doorstep like uh-huh. my mum's house is is isn't too far from here mm-hmm. but obviously it's it's a real contrast so it is very white. And, like, during the lockdown, especially when Leicester had its own lockdown, because this is Leicester Shear, myself and Marion were, like, saying how you feel a little bit self-conscious coming out here because you're wondering whether people are going to, like... Because people, like, think, but what are they doing here? Because, obviously, they're not from round here. I'll keep you going. 
and whether that's also sometimes a barrier to people just going places where nobody looks like you because I don't I mean like I've had the instances where I've been standing maybe waiting for somebody and um, I'm in a predominantly white area and a white person will come up to me and like say can I help you or so and you know <laughs> you know that why they're really asking they're not really asking to help you they're just sort of like pointing yes <laughs> and so there's there's also the whole thing of maybe coming out to areas where I don't know you don't feel that you necessarily belong or would feel be made welcome which I would say most of the time you are it's just that one occasion yeah and especially not so much yeah not sometimes especially where it's seen union jacks or british flags up especially noticing that a lot more um after brexit also yeah that and the whole thing that go, it's it's nice that people are are proud but then it's also the whole for me what it actually really my whole feeling towards it and whether they actually morning Morning. Morning. <laughs> and what actually made them think I'll put that flag up? Right. Yeah. And I think I think often it's like this this not only fear of discrimination but likelihood of discrimination mm. that is really intimidating. And I think I mean although I've perhaps not faced anything so direct as that. I think I carry that likelihood with me mm. when I cycle. I know that actually I stand out. Mm. I know that I appear unique. And I know that actually people are probably thinking and wanting to say and have in fact said things that are really hurtful. Um, and I guess when I imagine the idea of starting a family, it's quite scary to you know think about your kids experiencing something like that. But I guess... The way that I imagine conquering this is to continue doing what I'm doing, to say, actually, I'm going to keep getting out there. I'm going mm -hmm. to keep getting um, on the road, mm -hmm. not letting the likelihood of discrimination stop me, because uh, after all, that's how they win. Mm -hmm. That's how they win. And we don't, we don't want that. Yeah. We don't want that. Um, and I think it would be a huge loss for me personally if if something like that were to lead me to not cycle. Um, I've been lucky to not have anything quite to that degree, but hopefully the more people that, that are there, the, 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 the less likely these scenarios will become, the more educated other communities will be that actually this is happening, black women ride, you know? Um, and I think if we could send that message and send that loud and clear, it would be a better experience overall and, and for the next generation, which I don't know, it sounds weird talking about that. I'm in my twenties, but yeah, there will soon be another generation. <laughs> the cycling culture can be quite exclusive and this may manifest in very concrete ways in terms of having access to a certain type of bike or in how fast or how far we can ride. But it's also clear that the absence of people of colour from the cycling culture runs deeper than just what and how we ride. The lack of representation can manifest in a feeling of not belonging, sticking out like a sore thumb 
or in actual experiences where one may feel unwelcome in a certain space. These experiences don't always originate from the cycling culture per se, but cycling exists within broader societal discourses, which is why race and ethnicity are relevant to the cycling experience of women of colour. The lack of representations can have real consequences, as the heightened visibility of women of colour who do cycle, for example, can make one vulnerable to harassment, whether that is motivated by gender or racial bias, or just general negative attitudes towards cyclists. No one I spoke to saw these as barriers that should stop them from cycling. If anything, it made them more determined to challenge stereotypes. You're about to hear a few examples of how Mildred, for example, as one of the few women in the cycling media, uses her position to shift the focus from performance to everyday cycling and to challenge tokenism in the cycling industry. Vera reflects on the role of women's rights and Cedra describes how the WCCC, or the Women of Colour Cycling Collective, open up new cycling experiences for her. But it seems just as important to be able to ride with people from different backgrounds. Those who may have more privilege on the road or in public space more broadly have a role in creating an environment where those who are not as represented or welcome don't feel that they have to apologize for being there as well. You know, like, or like another example is, um, I recently wrote a piece about saddle sores. And it was aimed at everyone. I, I deliberately made it kind of a unisex article, but I had a full-on section just related to labial discomfort. Yeah. Because a lot of saddle sores articles don't talk about that. Yeah. I'll get out of breath. Yeah. Um, the only thing about Yeah. And yeah, like I spent I spent a lot of time on that article. I interviewed a gynaecologist, an endocrinologist, and various sports coaches and bike fitters, physios. I spoke to all the people who know these things, all women. And still, every comment on that article is a guy saying, the best thing to do for saddle sores is this. (laughs) And it's just like, did you read Yeah, it's like, well, I think you'll find I already said that in the article, and if you'd bothered to read it. But yeah, it's just that whole kind of assumption of like, I know better, I know more than you. But again, I just wonder if it would happen quite as much if I weren't a woman. Um, Yeah, I mean, I definitely feel that there have been changes. And, you know, there are definitely people out there making waves and certain publications are moving in the right direction and brands. But I do see a lot of... I see a lot of tokenism, which I think that's very widespread and I, even sort of amongst my networks, have had to actually explain to certain people in the industry what tokenism means. Um, And I'm still seeing a lot of wanting wanting particular bodies for a photo shoot whereas like it has nothing no bearing on the actual story or you know the the people that they want pictured don't actually have any input to give 
know, that they're, they're literally just there to look a certain way. Yeah. Um, so I think like it's good that we're having conversations and there's definitely a thirst for it. I've been seeing, you know, whenever, I'm not just talking about me and my publication, but like, you know, just generally across the media, when I do see people posting about representation and diversity and how important it is, the majority of people seem to respond well. They're obviously a minority that are very loud that don't think it's needed, um, but that's the internet for you. So my cycling club is, is a mixed, yeah, everyone's cycling club. Yeah. Um, when I first started, I went on a few sort of ladies, ladies only rides. Yeah. But generally I tend to go on just mixed, yeah. um, mixed rides. Yeah. Um, and the reason for, yeah, initially going on ladies only rides, which would be, I guess, a similar thing if you have like women of color rides. Yeah. Is that first I was, yeah, I was not very comfortable going on these club rides yeah. with these macho men like, yeah. you know, pushing super hard and I wasn't, I didn't feel as up to that. Yeah. And I felt that, not that the women were slower, yeah. but that they were more inclusive and accommodating. Yeah. If I did fall behind, I didn't feel so guilty we're going left. Yeah. Um, and I think, so that's what I had at my disposal at the time, you know? Yeah. This women's group and that made me feel like it was my gateway into the club and feeling comfortable yeah and I guess because I never really had that option of you know a women of color or yeah that other thing but yeah who's to say like if that was available again yeah I'd, I think I'd have had even more of that like being at ease with certain things yeah you know like, some, like I don't know say how I deal with my hair in a helmet or like kind of practical yeah, some certain practical things like that might be just slightly different in the way we deal with things, you know? Yeah. Um, and being able to ask those questions. Yeah. You know? So, I mean, for me, it, it would, like not having that representation would never stop me from doing things. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. But, and, and, and it's sort of, but it impacts people differently. Yeah. And I feel like a certain level of responsibility of like, doing my part to introduce other people to it. Yeah. So I think that's where that comes in. So as I said, in my engineering career, I spent a lot of time doing STEM outreach, getting girls into science and engineering. Uh -huh. And that's sort of, that's always been a part of me is like, if I love something and I enjoy something, I just want to like share it with everyone else. Yeah. And so when I see people not enjoying it, maybe because they're not, you know, they're reluctant or they're not aware of certain things. Yeah. Um, it's like, oh my gosh, like, people are missing out yeah. so so yeah it's sort of a driver to just try and get more people to to discover and and enjoy those same things that I enjoy yeah and yeah getting more representation again encourages more people you know if you see someone that yeah what, what, what's that saying like you can't be what you can't see or be the change you want to see sort of thing yeah. um yeah and in cycling, I hadn't really seen many um, people of, women of colour. I've seen men of colour, even, you know, I was thinking this when I was cycling yesterday in the park. I think I saw two other women of colour, yeah. loads of men of colour. Yeah. Uh, but it's still predominantly 
middle-aged white man on a very expensive bike. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's... And how did you come across with the WPC again? Um, because of you, Andy. Uh, through you one day she would post about it every now and again and I was like oh that would be that would be good for me and then I was away on holiday and I was like actually I should actually sign up for it yeah. and I did and it's been really uh, it's been really good for me to see that there you know um, are so many other women of color or you know out there and that you know what they're doing and you know like I've never tried gravel riding but seeing other people or even you know like the endurance cycling I didn't know very much about it we'd done a bit of uh, cycle packing but yeah. not a lot I didn't realize how much there was and uh, how much that's something I actually would love to try yeah um, and be involved with uh, it's like, yeah it's definitely opened that's probably increased, you know, seeing through WCC, see the different types of cycling and seeing other women and women of colour doing it has been like, yeah, why have I not thought to do this before? Uh, oh, sorry. I'll wait this. I'm going to, oh, thank you. Um, yeah, because he gets quite aggressive with cars and I might shout, but he chases them down <laughs> and gives them a good old shouting too. Or, um, oh. This is your husband. Yeah. yeah. But he has the... He is a white male. He gets away with it, doesn't he? A hundred percent, absolutely. Um, you're always seen as an aggressive when you're, you know. Oh, she's so aggressive. Whereas he doesn't get that. Yeah. Hiya. Oh, sorry. No problem at all. Thank you. Thank you. No, thank Daughter you. Is I definitely am like, I always thank anyone who stops for me. Uh, I'm definitely a lot more thankful for everything that I get, whereas he thinks maybe he. Oh, oh, thank you. Is entitled to a lot more. <laughs> than I do. Thank you. Um, that we, you know, it's also a shared experience. We've experienced a lot of the same rubbish situations on the bike. And it's almost that someone else agreeing yeah that was shitty or they shouldn't have done that makes you feel like okay yeah i'm entitled to that 
emotion, feeling, whatever it is. Whereas if you're on your own, you're like, oh, maybe, maybe I did something wrong. Maybe, and that is a lot of, when I'm on my own, I'm like, oh, maybe I did something. Whereas when I'm with other people, they're like, no, yeah. uh, that shouldn't have happened. Yeah, etc. Uh, we are done in an hour and a half. Is that okay? okay that's perfect. But I do feel like bicycles are like tools of socialism and liberation, yeah. and need to be used in that way. And I think, um, I mean, I have to say, I have a car, but I do feel like that is much more of a tool of capitalism mm -hmm. and consumerism. And um, yes, bicycles can be expensive, but um, I think, you know, having something that allows you to get that physical activity, to get the fresh air, to be outside, do something for yourself um, is so important. And also taking up that space and being visible. Yeah. Um, I think if you get behind the wheel of a car that's kind of subscribing to you know, all of those consumerist, capitalist sort of belief systems of you have to have, you know, all this um, stuff and money and materialism. Um, but if you can be on a bike and be in that space and take it up, yeah. um, that that's also a statement. And I feel like it's something that especially <laughs> women from minority ethnic backgrounds should be making because we shouldn't feel like we have to be on the margin of the road or hidden in some SUV or something. Yeah. We should be able to, you know, be in that space and belong in that space. Yeah. And doing that will also facilitate um, us taking up space in other arenas as well. Yeah, yeah. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Thanks again to the Active Travel Academy, as well as Barrier Bikes, who also supported this research. And thanks to everyone who rode and spoke with me and let me use these recordings. Talking to you reminded me how hard it is to be the only one in a certain space. If that's you in cycling, I don't want you to walk away thinking that it's your responsibility to represent all women of colour or all underrepresented cyclists. Instead, I'd like to invite everyone who loves cycling and cares about the problems to which cycling can offer a solution to think about and work towards making cycling a welcoming space and challenging these dominant discourses and writing new narratives in and through cycling.